the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider on this penultimate weekend of 2023. Does that even seem possible? In the interview segment of Vatican Insider this holiday weekend, I offer a special I've prepared on Christmas and New Year's in Rome, a beautiful, exciting season in the Eternal City. Now, before we listen to that, here's a brief overview of the news this week. Sunday, December 17th, after reflecting on the day's gospel, Pope Francis led the faithful in St. Peter's Square in reciting the Noon Angelus Prayer. He then turned to the situation in the Holy Land and appealed for an end to the war ravaging there, praying especially for Christians holed up in the Holy Family Catholic Parish in Gaza. He condemned an attack on the compound where there are no terrorists but families, children, people who are sick and have disabilities, and nuns. He noted that a mother and her daughter were killed and others were wounded by the shooters while they were walking to the bathroom. This is war. This is terrorism. The Pope also asked prayers for Ukraine. Monday, December 18th. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of Faith, with the approval of Pope Francis, released the declaration Fiducia Supplicans that said it will be possible to bless same-sex couples but without any type of ritualization or offering the impression of a marriage. The doctrine regarding marriage does not change, it said, and the blessing does not signify approval of the union. This gesture of pastoral closeness must avoid any elements that remotely resemble a marriage rite. The document explores the theme of blessings, distinguishing between ritual and liturgical ones, and spontaneous ones more akin to signs of popular devotion. It is precisely in the second category there is now consideration of the possibility of welcoming even those who do not live according to the norms of Christian moral doctrine but humbly request to be blessed. The document caused much confusion in the Universal Church precisely because in March of 2021 the Vatican declared that the Catholic Church won't bless same-sex unions since God, quote, cannot bless sin. The Vatican's Orthodoxy Office, the then Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, now the Dicastery, issued a formal response to a question about whether Catholic clergy have the authority to bless gay unions. The answer contained in a two-page explanation published in seven languages and approved by Pope Francis, the answer was negative. Also Monday the 18th, Pope Francis met with Miuli Hospital staff from Bari, Italy, and praised their efforts to provide health care for migrants and training for medical students. He recalled the founding principle of the hospital, set up over 900 years ago. It was to be a hospital for the poor who are ill. Also Monday, in his message to the second global refugee forum that took place in Geneva, Switzerland, December 13 to 15, Pope Francis said the meeting shows our clear commitment to resolving the plight of refugees as a shared responsibility, and it marks a sign of hope. Cardinal Pietro Parolin, Vatican Secretary of State, read the Pope's message. Wednesday, December 20th, in his final general audience before Christmas, 
Pope Francis spoke of the image of the creche, the nativity scene, and specifically the first nativity scene, inaugurated 800 years ago by St. Francis of Assisi. What was the saint's intention in organizing a living nativity in the small Umbrian town of Greccio, he asked. St. Francis wasn't trying to create a beautiful work of art, rather, through the nativity scene, to cause amazement at the extreme humility of the Lord, at the hardships he suffered for love of us in the poor grotto of Bethlehem. Francis said the two principal characteristics of the nativity scene are simplicity and joy. After the catechesis, the Pope prayed for the victims of the earthquake in China. Thursday, December 21st, God hides himself in the littleness of a child being born. From that quote, Pope Francis took the twin words of hiddenness and littleness as the focal point of his Christmas greetings to Vatican employees and their families, inviting them to imitate Jesus' hiddenness and littleness in their daily labors. Your work here in the Vatican, he said, mostly takes place in daily hiddenness, often doing tasks that may seem insignificant, but instead contribute to providing a service to the church and society. Also Thursday, in his annual address to the Roman Curia for the exchange of Christmas greetings, Pope Francis issued an invitation to listen, discern, and journey, never losing sight of Christ's call to be merciful, loving, and courageous. He underlined that it's important to keep searching and growing in our understanding of the truth, overcoming the temptation to stand still. Let us remain vigilant against rigid ideological positions that often, under the guise of good intentions, separate us from reality and prevent us from moving forward. Francis briefly touched on what he sees as the current division in the Catholic Church rejecting the usual dichotomy of so-called progressives and conservatives. The real central difference is between lovers and those who have lost that initial passion. That is the difference. Only those who can love can face forward. Thursday afternoon, Pope Francis met 30 priests and the prefects of the southern sector of the Diocese of Rome at the Santa Gianna Beretta Mola Pastoral Center of the parish of San Giorgio in the town of Achilia. Friday, December 22nd. The Vatican's Dicastery for Charity announced that Pope Francis, who prays every day for peace, has decided to offer a tangible sign of his participation in the suffering of those who personally experience the consequences of war. He is thus sending Cardinal Krajewski to the Holy Land. The papal almoner will join this great invocation for peace together with the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem, Cardinal Pier Battista Pizzaballa, and the entire local church to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and the only hope of our world. Well, those are the news highlights of the week just passed, but now stay tuned for my special on Christmas and New Year's in the Eternal City of Rome. I wish all my listeners a profoundly beautiful and spiritual Christmas. May God bless you and yours abundantly. Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. John Chrysostom. St. John Chrysostom is probably the most famous Christian preacher in all of history. His name, which is really a nickname, Chrysostom, means golden mouth. It was given to him because of his preaching. 
people went to Mass just to hear him preach. St. John Chrysostom was a hero, and he taught us how to speak the truth, but also how to live by that truth, even if we're called to live it heroically. Turn to Mary, the Mother of God, for help bearing witness to the gift of life with the National Life Rosary. Designed exclusively for EWTN, the unique centerpiece and crucifix represent the reality that all life is sacred and begins at conception. Help build a culture of life with the National Life Rosary, available now at EWTNRC.com. EWTN is the Global Catholic Network. The best way to pray is simply to open our minds and our hearts to God, to allow His presence to begin to fill us, to restore us, to refresh us, to make us new. The best way to pray is simply to be aware of that presence and to say yes to it, to give fiat to that presence as our Blessed Lady did. In that way, we delight in prayer and God Himself delights in us. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome to the interview segment of Vatican Insider this Christmas season and New Year's weekend. And welcome to the special I've prepared for you, where I bring you to the Vatican and to the Eternal City, and together we will explore how Christmas and the New Year are celebrated in this magnificent and magical city. In 2020 and 2021, many events and gatherings were scaled down or even eliminated during the Christmas season because of COVID. But thank the Lord, things have returned to normal here and are in high gear as I speak. In any case, we must never forget the reason for the season. No matter where we are, no matter how small or large the gathering, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We also celebrate the Holy Family, a model for all families. No beautiful trees, no fancy wrappings for presents, no gorgeous home decorations can equal the uniqueness and beauty of this day we call Christmas. Welcome to Rome, where the churches, piazzas, fountains, and palazzi are old, but the spirit is young. Welcome to a city whose traffic, irrational parking, and inconsistent store hours can drive you to distraction, but whose magic persuades you to come back frequently, if not to stay forever, as I decided to do decades ago. The bureaucracy can be maddening, and quite often the Italians use their inexplicable knack of finding the longest possible route to accomplishing a task. But that's all part of the fun. Italians have managed for millennia to deal with the idiosyncrasies of life here, described by one writer as, quote, the splendid eternal chaos and they respond by rolling with the punches. In Italian, this is called l'arte di arrangiarsi, the knack of getting along. If something isn't working, they shrug their shoulders and they say pazienza, patience, and eventually it works. You will be enchanted by Rome and by the Vatican, as millions have been before you. The magic is there. It pulsates, vibrates, and defies description. It's in the history, the art, the majestic basilicas, elegant bridges, splendid piazzas, cobblestone streets, bubbling fountains, and the symphony of church bells. The magic is in the smile of a flower vendor, the rich baritone of a waiter who unexpectedly serenades you, or the exuberance of a child playing with the pigeons in Piazza Navona. It's in the air of a deserted city on a Sunday morning, when the city seems to belong to you alone. 
or the startling quiet of St. Peter's Square in the pre-dawn hours as black-robed Monsignori hurry along to say Mass. It's in the joy of gathering with friends to dine on some of the most scrumptious cooking this side of paradise. If you've guessed I love Rome, you are certainly right. And even though I cannot personally show you around Rome at this beautiful and blessed time of Christmas, we can visit it together through this program. All of Rome's magical beauty is magnified, or so it seems, at Christmas. The flower stands are awash in red as poinsettias flood the floral market. Hotels and stores put on their Christmas finery, of course, and hundreds of streets and piazzas in the center and on the periphery of Rome string miles of twinkling lights across them, welcoming the resident or visitor with auguri, best wishes, or Buon Natale, Merry Christmas. If you're used to the Christmas lights and decorations found on homes and in stores and malls in the United States, this is not quite as lavish, but Italy has its own charm. There are, as you can imagine, some very special occasions and very special places to visit during the Christmas season here in Rome and at the Vatican. Let's start our visit at the Vatican. Forty years ago, in 1982, Pope St. John Paul decided that St. Peter's Square should have a nativity scene flanked by a Christmas tree. For years, the Vatican's engineers and technical services created stunning presepi, Italian for nativity scene, changing the theme in the buildings every year. With cost-cutting measures enacted a few years ago, the work of building a nativity scene was outsourced, so to speak, and regions of Italy or other countries in Europe and elsewhere, and even organizations, offered to host a presepi in the famous square. Christmas trees in the square are also special, with tall, majestic trees donated over the decades by Austria, Germany, Switzerland, Slovenia, and various regions of Italy. Workers usually spend one week securing the tree in place and decorating it and placing the giant star that glows on and off at the top. It beckons one and all to come to St. Peter's Square, especially at night, with the thousands of lead lights now used. Whatever country donates the tree for St. Peter's Square usually also donates a number of smaller trees for the Papal Apartment, the Paul VI Hall, and other halls and offices of the Roman Curia. Unfortunately, few can be seen by outsiders, and I'm sorry because I've had the privilege of seeing a number of them, and they are wonderfully decorated. You must, of course, go to St. Peter's Basilica and see the nativity scene there. It's on the left aisle, close to the Basilica entrance. Before we leave the Vatican, I'd like to tell you about the blessing of the Bambinelli, the statues of baby Jesus that takes place on the third Sunday of Advent, and it's really quite lovely. That's Gaudete Sunday, a Sunday for rejoicing that falls midway between the start of Advent, a liturgical season of anticipation, and the joy of Christmas Day when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is born. Children of all ages and from all over Rome, and sometimes other towns and cities in Italy, bring statues of the baby Jesus to be blessed by the Pope at the end of the Angelus. These statues are placed in the cribs of nativity scenes in homes and schools. Often you will see a child holding up two or even three statues for the papal blessing as they bring baby Jesus for a friend who could not come that day. This tradition was started by Pope St. Paul VI in December 1969. 
The presepe or presepio is traditionally the main focus of Christmas decorations in Italy, in homes and schools, in workplaces, and, of course, in the tens of thousands of churches throughout the land. You can walk into any church in Rome at Christmas time, and you will find a nativity scene. Small or large, rustic or citified, simple or elegantly crafted by specialists. Make sure you have your camera with you and pop in and out of Roman churches and basilicas to document this beautiful tradition. A number of restaurants even feature lovely nativity scenes. From the word presepium, presepe loosely means stall and refers to the scene of the newborn Jesus Christ sleeping in a simple country manger attended by Mary and Joseph and later by the kings who came from afar. Christians have long incorporated visual presentations into their seasonal customs. In the 4th and 5th centuries, the nativity and the adoration of the Magi were common themes for church decoration. In 1223, the Presepe gained fame with St. Francis of Assisi, who arranged his own living Presepe, a straw-filled, animal-laden stall set in a grotto in the town of Greccio. This has been replicated every year since then. In the 18th century, Neapolitan fashion dictated the transformation of Presepe from assemblies of rustic miniatures to grand spreads of intricately sculpted figurines in elaborately conceived architectural plans. Entire towns and villages are recreated with hundreds of figures placed on hills, in fields, in homes, and piazzas. There are aqueducts, trees, running water, fireplaces, people at work, and children at play. Such Presepe can be seen throughout Italy today. They are often breathtaking in size and scope, in their beauty, and their incredible attention to the smallest detail. I have several friends who have recreated such towns in their homes, albeit on a smaller scale. Churches in Rome, known for their spectacular Presepe, include Santa Maria in Via and Largo Chigi, Saints Cosmas and Damien, the Gesù, and Santa Maria in Araceli, with its 16th-century Presepio, and the famous wood statue of a rather plump baby Jesus, known as Il Santo Bambino, the Holy Child. Today, one can see only a copy of this statue, as the original 15th-century statue, made from wood from the Garden of Gethsemane in Jerusalem, was stolen in 1994 and sadly never recovered. Baby Jesus was not even offered for ransom. Watching over an altar strewn with letters written and mailed to him, the Santo Bambino resides in a secluded chapel at the back of the church, with his rosy-cheeked face poking out of swaddling clothes rich with gold and pearls. Come midnight on Christmas Eve, however, he's lifted from his bejeweled case to join the ceremony on Capitoline Hill in his honor. Romans and tourists alike climb the 124 candle-lit steps leading up to Santa Maria in Araceli to view the baby in his manger in the church's presepe and to bestow upon him the traditional epiphany kiss. The church gets many letters addressed to the Holy Child, and these are placed before the statue unopened. They're for baby Jesus, not for the priests or anyone else. Really special is St. Mary Major Basilica. Under the high altar is the Crypt of the Nativity, or the Bethlehem Crypt, with a crystal reliquary designed by Giuseppe Valadier, said to contain wood from the Holy Crib of the Nativity of Jesus Christ. 
Pope Francis, in 2019, authorized a very small fragment of this crib reliquary to be returned to Bethlehem in Palestine. Also in St. Mary Major is the burial place of St. Jerome, the 4th century doctor of the church who translated the Bible into the Latin language, the Vulgate. A must-visit nativity scene is that built by Rome's Netorbini, the street cleaners of AMA, the Municipal Waste Management Company. Located just minutes from St. Peter's Square on a small side street, Via dei Cavalleggeri No. 5, this is actually open all year round. Pope John Paul visited this presepe all but the last two years of his 26-year pontificate. Other visitors have included Pope Benedict XVI, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and a succession of Rome's mayors and Italian politicians. Tucked away in an ex-storeroom on a side street near St. Peter's Basilica, you can easily think you're mistaken when you walk up to the building in a setting that is so humble and unpretentious that anyone not in the know would walk right past. The entrance, in fact, is the doorway leading into a courtyard that houses an unprepossessing block of premises belonging to AMA. There are, however, signs on nearby streets that lead the visitor to this site. You might also want to visit the Hundred Cribs or the Hundred Presepi exhibit that has found its way into Rome's cultural, tourist, and social life under the auspices of the Dicastery for the Promotion of the New Evangelization. The exhibit is now hosted under the left-hand colonnade of St. Peter's Square. There are countless masterpieces from Italy and around the world in this exhibit, and it's well worth a visit as you behold nativity scenes made of coral, silver, porcelain, iron, wood, papier-mâché, and even recycled materials. Now, Piazza Navona, one of Rome's most beautiful and popular squares, was a huge Christmas market in December with stands selling nativity scenes, Christmas trees, ornaments, lights, sweets, toys, and a few surprises as well. The historical square is always magical. It has forever been a favorite destination for children for another reason. It is a tradition that each year, each family or child will pick out one new figurine for the nativity scene that's built at home. Navone in December has always been a great place to find these terracotta figurines, but the real capital of Christmas figurine making is Naples. The place to go is Via San Gregorio Armeno. Just Google Naples and the words nativity scene or presepe. A few years ago, Santa on a rope became fashionable. Since there are very few, if any, chimneys in Italian cities, this means no roof for Santa and his sleigh. Thus, these cloth Santas on a ladder get hung from windowsills. On Christmas Eve, a meatless dinner, in fact almost always fish, is traditionally eaten with one's family. This is followed by a visit to a nativity scene and midnight mass. Many midnight masses now actually start just in late evening, such as that presided over by the popes in St. Peter's Basilica. It's now called the Christmas Vigil Mass. Another popular Christmas figure you will find here and in many stores is the Befana, a witch-like figure who rides a broomstick and brings coal to bad children and candy to good children. Befana is a breakdown of the word epiphany, and many, in fact, call her the Epiphany Witch because she arrives the night of the Epiphany to fill children's stockings with her gifts. Yet another Italian tradition is to buy a small, ornament-sized broom with Christmas ribbons on it. 
This is called a scotchagui, and it symbolizes the sweeping away of one's troubles. Bonfires are often held on Christmas Eve in the main square of many towns, especially in mountain areas. Dinner on Christmas Day is usually meat-based and again brings the family together. December 26th, the Feast of St. Stephen, Santo Stefano, is also a big holiday in Italy, and it's the best day for winding down and recovering from gastronomic overindulgence. New Year's Eve is like most other places in the world, festive dinners, entertainment, and high prices. Fireworks have for decades played a really major role in Italy at New Year's, and you'll hear cracking and exploding sounds for quite some time starting at midnight. Naples is known for its fireworks as they are manufactured there. But I've been in Naples for a New Year's Eve celebration, and every home, every balcony, every apartment building balcony or roof had explosions of colorful fireworks. It seemed to last forever. By the noise, you'd have thought you were in a war zone. This is Italy, so food is of paramount importance. The New Year menu will include lentils that symbolize wealth and prosperity, and sausage meat, which again means good fortune for the coming year, because it is a rich food symbolizing abundance. The meal will likely end with grapes, as they will ensure that you will be frugal with your newfound wealth, because it was thought that only someone with excellent willpower could save the grapes from the spring harvest until the New Year meal. Of course, there's the ubiquitous panettone, a sweet bread that originated in Milan and is a national symbol at Christmas. At Italian New Year's Eve parties in homes, people often settle around the table for a game of tombola. It's very similar to bingo. Tombola was created in Naples in the 1700s as an alternative to gambling, which the church did not approve of. Now let's move to January 6th, Feast of the Epiphany. The Epiphany is, of course, the twelfth day of Christmas, when the three wise men gave baby Jesus their gifts. In some families, Epiphany is a bigger celebration than Christmas, and for many, the end of the Christmas season. Until a few years ago, the official end of the Christmas season at the Vatican was the February 2nd feast of the presentation of the child Jesus in the temple, and the tree and nativity scene always remained in St. Peter's Square until that day. Under Pope Francis, the end of the season event is usually the baptism of Jesus the second Sunday of January. Now, we must note, and you might laugh, another all-pervasive custom, the wearing of red underwear. The color red has been used for centuries to ward off war and other disasters. It can be seen in most shop windows in the lead-up to New Year. Hopefully you can make it to Rome some year for the Christmas holidays. It's really a special treat. Now, before I close, I want to wish all of my radio listeners, TV viewers, and blog readers a blessed, beautiful, and holy Christmas, and a happy, healthy New Year filled with many special moments and people. Above all, may God sit on your shoulder. For more information on these stories, or to check out Joan's blog, and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.